I'm super excited to be back with you guys. Um, my name is Levi. I'm born in Pretoria, Afrikaans, Afrikaans mensen. Zeker meeste hier so sal ek neem is Afrikaans. Nee. Kind of working on it. Okay. Well, I was I was born in Pretoria, grew up Afrikaans, and my life got drastically impacted when I was 17 years old. And the Lord started talking to me about purpose and destiny and everything that He's going to do in my life. And so I was 18 years old, went into full-time ministry. And I've been serving in full-time ministry now for 10 years. I'm 28 years old now. I have traveled to 15 different countries. This year alone, I've been to eight different nations. Traveling, preaching. It's always been um, my dream to travel the world. And I was a young boy when God told me that I'm going to travel the world one day. And... I mean, sitting with a word for most of my life, it started manifesting, but it only happened after I started placing demand on God's word. And th- that, is, that is the important thing, is this word is not just a self-help gospel or book, but it certainly is it's something that can transform and change your entire life. Amen? And the challenge I have as somebody who comes to preach sometimes at churches is that there's so much stuff that you can share, you know? And especially if you prepare a sermon, because I prepared a sermon, and you get in worship, and all of a sudden the Lord starts talking to you about different things. Um, so it's, it's, it's always hard for me to narrow down exactly what I want to deposit and leave you guys with today. Because it's such a small moment in time. And I mean, like I've mentioned now, this is my second time here. I came here December last year. Um, and we had a phenomenal time, and now a year has passed. And there's so much to be said about God's word, about sermons and everything like that, that I can, or that I want to leave you guys with. But it's always discerning God's heart of what does he want to deposit in your life today. And that is the important thing, because the words in the Bible is enough to transform your life. But it's when you place a demand on it. Because it's, it's spirit breathed. There's, there's life on every single page in this Bible. And I think too often we read the Bible as if it's, if it's a manual and it's just, you know, another book that we read. But we don't place a demand on God's Word to say that this Word is enough to transform my life. And that's something that happened, you know, that's been happening actually the past 10 years. But I would say the last five years of my life specifically. Um, I was 18 years old, like I said, went into full-time ministry. The Lord started speaking to me about my second year into ministry that he's going to send me to Bethel Church one day. And I'm going to study under Bill Johnson. Two and a half years later, I did that. I went to, to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, graduated three years. I've been back two and a half years now since I graduated. And then since then, I went through a tough season. It was a trying season, a pruning season, but it's only during that time where I started realizing that the gospel that I believe in, it has to have an effect and a power to change circumstances, to change people's lives, because it's not just, it's not enough to just l- believe in good theory, but if we don't place a demand on that and actually see the fruit in our lives, what is it going to amount unto? And that's why every single person in this room today, I'm not standing up here because I'm more anointed. I'm not standing up here because I'm more cold than anybody. Every single one of us over here have the same access to the same word. We've got the same relationship with the Father. Maybe it looks different, different facets, but He loves every single one of us the same amount because He's not a respecter of people. 
And what my, my only accomplishment today that I want to want to fulfill is that through my life and what I'm going to share with you guys is just going to give a different facet of who Christ's nature is through my expression. Because if we're truthfully honest and humble, every single one of us can learn from each other. There's not one of us more qualified than the other one. And just the fact, I feel like oftentimes because there's a preacher standing behind the pulpit, you know, there's this divide that gets created between the congregation and the preacher. And people sitting and listening to a preacher thinks that, hey, there's something, I'm not as anointed or gifted as that person. And we make, we make a pulpit the highest calling in life. But Habakkuk 2.14 says that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God. And then Isaiah talks about arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And that is our mandate. Every single one of us in this place, we have a certain glory of God on our lives. But we need to arise to the occasion. We need to step up to the place in your workplace, whatever it might be. If it's, you know, <clears throat> if it's preaching like I'm doing, that's one facet. I'm just sharing that glory that God has given me on my life. His, his nature, I'm just revealing that. But every single one of us has Christ's nature. We have each been given a glory. And the question is, what are we going to do with that glory? You know, if we want to see the whole earth filled with His knowledge and His glory, that means that, that the children of God, we need to arise to the occasion and actually step up to the place of actually saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into this place and reveal who you are through my life. And it's, it's with that mindset where we understand that every single one of us we're, we're team players. We all get to play part of the team. I think the church, I love the church. I've devoted my life to the church. I've been serving the church for 10 years. But I think in, in such, such a way, the church has demonstrated an unhealthy culture of making this the highest calling in life. So we're trying to raise sons and daughters in the church, but we're actually demobilizing them because they feel like orphans, even though we're trying to build and establish identity in people's lives. Because the preacher gets the mic time, or the preacher gives a shout out to Stoffel and Linda, which, by the way, you guys have amazing pastors. Can we just give them a round of applause? I love you guys so much. It's an honor to be here today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You guys cannot ever celebrate enough like your pastors, because they're amazing. But we so often do that, name calling, shouting, and people feel special in the church, and they make this an idol in their lives. And this is not like preaching for me is not something that I take lightly because it is a massive privilege. It is a massive responsibility to be standing here and knowing that God has entrusted me with people this morning and I get to share His word and His truth and I get to stand accountable for what I share. And so many people have used this platform or abused it for own personal self-gain because of a lust of power for greed to make followers, but the only person that we're supposed to be following is Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the Father. And I'm hoping that today, through what I'm going to share, you guys will fall more, more in love with Jesus. Because it's not about me, it's not about the way that I look, even though I think I do dress fashionably. <laughs> and I can say that with confidence and not arrogance. Um, it's not about my, my preaching, the message, it's not about the adequacy of words but it's about His Spirit and His truth. And, and that is the invitation that I want to invite you guys in today, is that I'm going to share truth that if you place a demand on this Word, can transform your life. 
It is not a self-help gospel. It is not something that was given to us so that we can manage our lives. But this word, if you put a demand on it, can transform your life. I went from a broken young kid, anger problems, insecurities. Can I tell you guys my biggest fear in life growing up was public speaking. Public speaking. Even though when I was a little kid, my parents used to tell me, "Yes, a gramophone, because I used to speak all the time. And that's the danger when you give me a mic is I can go on and on and on, but I won't today. Because I know that whole thing about what preachers say, okay, 10 minutes left, and it's like 40 minutes later, you're like, all right, I'm going to land the plane now. I'm not going to be doing that today. But this work can transform your life. And, and I, I was broken. I was lost. I was struggling with identity. I was in the world. I started drinking and smoking when I was 12 years old partied, everything like that. And then when I was 13 years old, I got baptized because I got invited by a friend's dad of mine to go to live in a church. It's a church in Pretoria to go get baptized. I had no grid for church. I didn't like church. And after I got out of the baptismal pool, there was two pastors that approached me and they gave me a prophetic word. They said that you're going you're gonna to be a pastor one day and you're going to point and lead a generation of people to the kingdom of God. I was 13 years old. At that time, I was like, there is no way on this planet that I'm going to be a pastor one day. Because I thought there were uptight people, you know, kind of like just my whole perspective about a pastor was wrong. So I tried to run from that word as much as I could. And something fascinating happened to me every single time that I was in high school and I got drunk. I did get drunk. I, there's no shame for me saying that because I know God's del delivered me. But every single moment that I would get drunk in high school, I would be reminded of the prophetic word of my life. You're going to be a pastor one day. Yeah, 100%, a joy killer. And, and I couldn't understand it. And as much as I tried to run away from that word, I never could run away. And then when I was 17 years old, I got invited to a new church. They don't want to go. I told my mom, I said, no, I'm not going to go. But at that point in time, my older brother was my hero. And he was kind of, we were rivals in life with everything. And he decided he was going to go to the new church. And I was like, oh, my word, why do you want to go? Like, let's not go to another church. And he decided to go, me being the younger brother and wanting to do what my older brother did, I went with him. And that evening, Jesus encountered me. And I, I remember sitting in worship and they, they did an altar call. And they said, you know, obviously giving the invitation to respond. And I was so overwhelmed by fear that I couldn't respond. And the pastor said, he said, hey, I'm going to give it a few more minutes. Because he said, I feel like there's somebody else in here that you need to respond tonight. And I didn't. I just could not. And then he said this. He said, I feel like there's somebody sitting here and you're too overwhelmed by fear that you cannot put your hand up to respond. But he's giving you an invitation. And in that moment, it's not in tears. It happened. But that was the beginning of my journey, you know, back into, into the kingdom or journey. And, and the Lord started reminding me about the word that I had. And I started serving in church more often. And then I was, I was final year in high school. Still, this is the thing about the Lord. He's, got, he's patient, okay? He's, he's always faithful to complete the work that he started in you. It's oftentimes we think that, hey, I received a prophetic word now and overnight it's going to manifest. But it's not the case that I found at least. Sometimes it happens. But he's, he's patient. He's enduring. And he walks a process and a journey with every single one of us. And my journey started when I was 17 years old. It, it started right there. But I wasn't completely like the effects of the world was still on me. So I still parted. I still got drunk for probably a year after that. And I had, a, I had a powerful encounter when I was in Hermanas, actually, on my matric holiday, 10 minutes before New Year's Eve in 2009. I was standing on Honoris Beach, started drinking at 4 o'clock the afternoon, partied, you know, and 10 minutes before midnight, I was instantaneously sober. 
I think I shared this last year as well. I was instantaneously sober, and I was standing on the hill overlooking Honors Beach, and there was there was a fight breaking out, like you know, alcohol bottles flying, everything like that. And I was instantly sober, and it felt like the world, the Lord plucked me out of the system that I was living in, and I was standing on the outskirts all of a sudden, and I was like. I knew my heart cracked in that moment and I started crying. I said, Lord, this is not the life that you've called me to. And in that moment, I made a commitment and a rededication. And I said, Lord, this next, next 10 years of my life or whatever, um, or this next year going into 2010, I'm going to be serving you wholeheartedly. And that was the year. I had, a, I, had a, I had given a modeling opportunity to go to New York City. And I thought that's what I was going to do after high school. So I had six months on my hands. And I started volunteering in church. And about two months into volunteering, volunteering in, in, in the church in Pretoria, the Lord said, he, he spoke to me clearly. He said, you think that you're going to go to New York City to do modeling, but I've called you to full-time ministry. And I laid it down and I went into full-time ministry. And that was the journey. That was 2010. This is my 10th year of full-time ministry now. And to share with you guys, because so much has changed since I've last, last been here. Like it's, I feel like it was such a full year for me. You know, like I mentioned, I traveled to eight different nations this year. I've been living six and a half months out of this year. I've been living in Sri Lanka. And June this year, I got ordained as a pastor in Jerusalem, Israel. And that was a significant moment for me because it's my 10th year celebrating full-time ministry this year. And it was 15 years after I got given a prophetic word that I'm going to be a pastor. It happened in in Jerusalem of all places this year, which I could never have asked for, could never have orchestrated that. I was actually, in fact, I was supposed to be ordained as a pastor in Los Angeles under my spiritual parents. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Johnny and Elizabeth Inlow. I'm on staff for them, so I work, they've got a ministry called Restore 7. Um, if you guys want to check it out, it's restore7.org, phenomenal ministry, pretty much restoring the, the, the face of God to the seven spheres of influence. And I was supposed to be ordained in, in Los Angeles in February. But my visa got denied for my fourth time. So I lived in America for three years, and I haven't been able to get back to America because I've been getting visa denials and visa denials and visa denials. So in February this year, end of January, I went. My visa got denied again for the fourth time. I couldn't attend my ordination. And then I knew the Israel trip was coming up, and they spoke to me. They said, hey, we, we discussed it amongst ourselves. What if we ordain you in Israel? Would you like that? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like Jerusalem of all places? Yeah. So I got ordained, and... This year as well was a significant in, in a different aspect as well because the Lord opened up an opportunity for me to go back into modeling. And that's what I've been doing in Sri Lanka. I've been stud studying under a pastor in Sri Lanka. His name is Kirby Delanerol. And then, do you guys know Kirby? How many? Yeah, so I've been, I've been at Wildlife Church, phenomenal church. If you guys do not know, then check them out. Um, I've been with them for about six and a half months now. I've known them for three, four years now. But at the same time, I got given the opportunity to go back into modeling. And this time it was such a different comparison to 10 years ago because I understand my purpose and my mandate now. And just because, and that's the cool thing because I'm in the modeling industry now, the well, modeling world, but everybody knows I'm a pastor. And that's the beauty of it because I'm unashamed. I'm unashamed of my calling. I'll never apologize for what God has called me to. But modeling has just become a different platform of ministry for me now. Even though I've been serving in the church for 10 years, now I'm in the modeling industry but I get to be his salt and his light in that industry. And that is beautiful because I've had, I've had the most awesome, awesome, awesome encounters with people in the industry because it just breaks the religious box because people ask me, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, do you want to take a guess? And I give them three guesses and they get them all wrong. And I'm like, I'm a pastor. They're like, you're a what? 
we are pleasing to him. Does that make sense? So every single moment that we step out in faith, we are pleasing aroma to God. That is his currency. So when Lena shares a testimony, Patrick, in something in Patrick's heart, responds to that, there's permission for God to do it again in Patrick's life. That is why stewarding the testimony is so vital. And we use testimonies in our lives to combat the lies of the enemy, to com combat difficult times. That's why I love the song, Waymaker, because it says, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working, you never stop. The world tries and tells us that everything is built upon our senses, how we touch, feel, see. And yes, we are humans, so that is a very real part of our lives. But God's faithfulness is not dependent on what we touch, see, feel, and taste. It is based upon His Word. And I said this last year, the goodness of God is an imperative of His nature. Every single thing in our lives is based upon the goodness of God. And we need to view it as that. So difficulty comes, it is not from God. I can tell you guys now, a lot of people live with a mentality and they walk around with a mentality that when difficulty comes, oh, it's God punishing me. Oh, I must have done something wrong. The only thing, the, the Lord does not condemn you. The only thing that's condemning you is your conscience. But He paid with His life and His blood to purify our conscience so that now we can have a renewed understanding and live in light of that re reality of the revelation of what Christ has accomplished for us. Understanding that God is good, that His nature is good. There's nothing inside of God that is not good. And when we live in that reality, understanding that everything that God does is good, it's meant for our best, we can experience difficulty in our lives and not become orphaned. Because difficulty so often comes and we point fingers at God, blaming Him, when it's just life that happens to us. There's a lot of promises in the Word of God, but never once is there a promise that you're not going to experience difficulty in life. And I feel so often we... We abort the promises of God spoken over our lives because difficulty comes into our lives. And all of a sudden, we lose sight and track of God's faithfulness. And we start pointing fingers at Him. And not, we, we don't walk out in faith anymore. So Revelation says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And then in Exodus, I quickly want to read this to you guys because it's just a cool story of what the, the testimony in the power of the testimony. It's in Exodus, I think, chapter 14. Let me see. Exodus 17. <clears throat> it's the story of the water and the rock. So to give context, the Red Sea has parted. Moses had a staff um, that he used to strike the Nile. And the Nile turned into, into blood or red. And then in Exodus 17, this is all in, in context with the steward in the testimony. In Exodus 17... Um, but the people, in verse 3, it says, But the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do to this people? A little more, and they will stone me. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it. All the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the Lord, or the elders of Israel. He named the place Masa or, and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel. Is the Lord among us or not? So the, 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 Lord, the Israelites were thirsting for water. And immediately what the Lord did is he pointed back something to Moses' life. He said, take the staff which you struck the Nile with. Now, if you go on a bit further in Exodus, there's another time they come again because they're thirsting for water. And the Lord said, once again, pick up your staff. Now, the staff is the testimony of God's faithfulness and deliverance. 
And that is what we do with, with, with testimonies in our lives is whenever God has done something for us in our lives and we make a marker or for somebody else, we get to use that as a staff to combat the next season in our life of difficulties because of His faithfulness. Amen? Now, if you turn to, to Luke chapter 1, quickly I want to show you guys this. This is probably the biggest... I'm going to share... I never saw this until the Lord revealed it to me, which is cool. Um, the birth of Jesus was conceived based on a testimony that were, was released to, to Mary. That is the power of testimony. Just in Luke chapter 1, verse, let me see, verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of solution this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? So there was doubt. There was a seed of promise being released, but there was doubt. Okay? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold... This is, the, this is my punchline. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Now this is important because we're talking about testimony. Now testimony, like I mentioned, is the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Mary is visited by the angel. She receives a word, a seed of a promise, the promised child. She's in doubt because she says she's a virgin. And what does the angel do? He uses a testimony of something that was impossible, that became possible, to stir up Mary's faith, enable to receive the promise that was released. And this is what Mary responds. She says in verse 36, she says, She was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Verse 37, And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May it be done according to your word. There was a testimony used in the conception of Jesus Christ in order for Mary to step out in faith and actually receive what was promised. That is the power of testimony in our lives. Now, what is the most powerful testimony or prophecy that we can ever recall in our lives? It's something that you guys have in the back. It's communion. communion that is the greatest testimony or prophecy that we can ever give ourselves with other people is communion and why is that jesus said as often as you do this do this in remembrance of me because communion at the cross flesh was separated from blood and what resulted death came as a result correct so every single time that we partake of communion when we recall the table of the lord we bring the body and the blood together, which results in life, resurrection. Because we know that Jesus conquered death and the grave. You see, our, our, our gospel 
is predicated on the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. Else it is just good philosophy. Just good philosophy. Because if you look at Buddhism, Hinduism, all of those religions or philosophies, there's a lot of self-help twos in what they believe. And for me, living in, in Sri Lanka now for six and a half months, I was exposed to a lot of Buddhists, a lot of Hindus, and they say good stuff. But we have the only true gospel with a king that resurrected from the grave. Death could not hold him down. He resurrected from the grave so that why? We can walk in newness of life. So every single time you recall the table of the Lord, you are prophesying His life in every single circumstance of, of your life. No matter what it is, if, whether it's financially, whether it's physically, relationally, whatever it is, when you partake of communion and recall the table of the Lord, that is the most powerful prophecy that you can ever give yourself. Because it continually speaks about life, 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 life. Jesus is not confined to time. He's not confined to space. The Bible actually says that before the foundations of the world, he was crucified. He was, he was slain. So that means this is the beauty of communion and the testimony is that outside of time and space right now, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm laying my life down again for you. And again, and again, and again. It's it's everlasting it's continually and we get to partake of that reality every single time we partake of communion it is newness of life it is his dna embedded within us now so whatever was yielded to destruction now all of a sudden yields itself to life because of him living on the inside of us amen well that's my introduction okay so now to get to my actual sermon I just, I'm, I'm going to touch on the renewed mind and the reality of the king and his kingdom. Now, I know this time of year, we're approaching the end of 2019, and I'm sure all of us have had difficulties, maybe to some more than others, and I'm sure all of us have had beautiful promises unfold. And especially towards the new year, what we often do is we make a new year's resolution. So often. I've done it many times. Am I alone? No. Am I alone? No, I didn't think so. We make New Year's resolutions. But I want to implore you guys today, stepping into 2020, what if you did not make a New Year's resolution because it's actual proven fact that resolutions do not work? But what if we get a revelation of who Jesus Christ is? And we can, we can lead 2020 with a revelation of who He is and His truth. Putting a demand on His Word to see the promises unfold in our lives. Because I've been in the season of waiting. I've heard a lot of prophetic words, good ones in my life. I've, I've probably seen, to tell you guys, I've probably seen not even a third of the prophetic words spoken over my life fulfilled. But the ones, there, there is a percentage that's been fulfilled. And because of that, I know that God is faithful in His timing to fulfill them. So what I want to give you guys today is, how many of you guys have an iPhone? My iPhone somewhere. iPhone, Android. I'm going to give you guys all iPhone 10, 11 pros. Just kidding. <laughs> but th there's something that pops up every single once in a while sometimes nowadays more often than not and it says the software update and so often what I do 
with an app, I get a chance to update it or my software and I just kind of leave it. And after a while, what I notice is that my software is not working as properly as it's meant to be or my phone is kind of lagging. And that is the same opportunity that we have, an invitation that we have when we read God's word or we hear a message is God is coming to say that I'm going to give you guys a software update. And we get to choose whether we want to respond and say update now or later. But the thing is, the word is proceeding, so constantly he wants to update our lives because we might be stuck in one system of way of doing things, but his truth steps in and all of a sudden there's, there's a different perspective that we get to walk in. And God constantly wants us to grow and go with the proceeding word of God. Amen? So hopefully what today is going to do is just going to give you guys a software update. Because Romans chapter 12 verse 2 talks about, it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Be transformed. So essentially, a renewed mind, renewed unto what? The truth of God's word will lead to a transformed life. Amen? And that is something that we have to ask ourselves because we are people of God. We believe in the promises in His Word, but there's got to be a result and effect that showcases kingdom fruit in our lives. You have to ask yourself, what is it that I believe in? Do you believe in an empty philosophy, maybe good theory, but there's no fruit in your life? Or are you actually going to put a demand on God's Word to say, God, I believe in your word and I believe that it can transform my life and it can tr transform people's lives that I get in contact with in your workplace, whatever it is that you do. Amen? Because there's, there's two realities that we live in. We're, we're born of the kingdom, so we're ambassadors of the kingdom, but we're in the world. But the thing is, yeah, we're living in the world, but we're not of the world. And what does that mean? Is because our perspective and our mindset needs to be anchored in a different reality than what we're currently submitted in or subdued in. Because it's very true, we live in culture and society. We live in a world that's broken. There's a lot of self-help books. There's a lot of tools to help, to help you in life. Um, we see tragedies in the news. There's a lot of negativity being fed towards us through media. But if we base our lives upon that, we're going to live in constant anxiety and stress. And that's why we have to be anchored in a different reality that is, that is higher than the one that we currently live in. And <clears throat> Matthew 6.33, I'm going to quickly read it to you guys. I can quote it too if you guys want me to quote it. It says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now that scripture reverse is, it's a dualistic viewpoint. And the reason being is because it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and what? All His righteousness. So often people pursue the kingdom and we focus on kingdom, kingdom, kingdom without our pursuit of Him. But Jesus and the kingdom, it's dualistic. They're one. You cannot pursue the one without the other and expect that there's going to be actual fruit in your life. It has to come as a package. It's the king embodying a cause, the kingdom. And the kingdom is what affects change in our lives. So the kingdom we know says it's righteousness, peace, and joy. But what else is part of the kingdom? Reality. You guys can shout it out. Happiness, love, 
hope, joy, fulfillment, contentment. What else? Anybody else? Peace. Yeah. Promises. Righteousness, prosperity. You see, Jesus is a king that embodies that cause. The cause of everything that we just mentioned about the kingdom reality. And if we pursue the king, we're going to get the benefits of the kingdom with him. And that is our pursuit. That is why intimacy is so important. If I had my way today, I probably would have just wanted to worship because that was amazing. Like the atmosphere was so electrified with anointing and gifting and it's it's beautiful and that is probably why one of the biggest weapons that we have in life during tough and trying times is to worship because we can get so enamored by our problems you know whether it's your finances family troubles health whatever and it feels like we're so overcome by all these problems but when you get in an atmosphere of worship all of a sudden it feels like it fades away because it's his reality that's colliding with ours that is when his burden becomes easy and his yoke light and all the troubles of the world fades away it's because in that reality but here's the key worship is powerful but what if i told you guys that you can live in that atmosphere every single day of your life that it's not a once a week service that you attend to feel good and powerful in worship and feel like everything is lifting but what if i can tell you guys as a little secret that you can live and experience that every single moment of your life that is the peace that transcends all understanding is to live in that reality anchored in Christ knowing that we are in this world but we're not of this world but the question is do you believe it yes yes software update it's installing <laughs> installing amen so Jesus embodies the cause and the promise of the kingdom when we pursue Him, we get the effects of the kingdom coming with it. All its promises, righteousness, joy, peace, hope, contentment, happiness. So often in life, we think that if we receive more, if we accomplish more, if I can only get a million rand in my bank account this year, then I'm going to find contentment, I'm going to find happiness. And yes, those are byproducts of the blessing that God wants us to live in, but we cannot base and anchor ourselves on that because that can fade away tomorrow. And if your happiness and joy and contentment was only found on your job, occupation, or your finances, or maybe the security of your house, and something comes to rattle that, and if your peace was found on that and established on that alone, you're going to crumble in life. And that's when you're going to be up and down. Tossed to and fro like James talks about. The book of James talks about tossed to and fro. Because on the one hand, you can trust God. On the other hand, you doubt Him. You know, kind of both ways. That is why our, our reality and our minds, we have to be anchored in the truth of God's Word and His kingdom. I love the story of Lazarus. We all know it um, about Lazarus being dead, I think, for four days, I believe. Um, and then he got resurrected. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story about the life that is in Jesus and what it can do, defining all the realities, you know. But to me, the story of Lazarus is a story on thought process. And the reason I say, say it's, it's a story on two thought processes, 
on the one end, the one thought process, Lazarus was dead, done for. The other thought process, Lazarus was only asleep. It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective, amen? Joshua and Caleb, another example in Numbers 13. Joshua and Caleb got sent out with the 10 spies to go scout the land. What was God's promise beforehand? Before the, He said, go scout the land which I have promised to give you. They come back with a report of what they saw. Yeah, the grasshoppers. And it was only Joshua and Caleb which had a different perspective of what they saw. The other 10 spies, they said that we're like grasshoppers. We cannot conquer the land. But Joshua and Caleb said, hey, we can conquer the land. They had a different perspective. And that's why the Bible actually recalls Caleb and Joshua as having a different spirit. Because their perspective and faith was anchored in a higher reality. They did not allow the natural circumstances or what was in front of them to diminish who they are in Christ. Amen? See, in life, we have to anchor ourselves in the truth of His kingdom. And if you turn with me to Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Are you guys learning something today? Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. It says, Therefore, <clears throat> if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with Him in glory. If you have been raised up with Christ, are we seated with Christ? Amen? So what, what, is, what is the thing that we have to focus on? Is we have to set our minds on the things above. It constantly, the Bible constantly talks about a different reality there is the world reality and then the kingdom. And constantly we're being implored in Scripture to set our minds on things above where Christ is. Now, if we are born again as believers, we live in that reality. And we have to see that reality as the place of norm or the place that we live from and not our circumstances. Amen? See, there's two seeds constantly at work in our life. Two seeds. And they're constantly combating the one is the life seed. The other one is the death seed. Okay, Deuteronomy, Jesus says that life and death I've put in front of you today. Choose life. There's constantly, in whatever area you want to dissect in your life, there's two seeds at work. The one, it's the life seed and the death seed. And the one that's going to grow in your life is the one that you've chosen to put agreement to. So the giant standing in front of you today are the giants that you've given a nod to, that you've allowed there because Jesus says choose life. And it's not, it's not an empty philosophy. I can guarantee you guys this, is when you put a demand on God's word and take him for his word that he's spoken, that you will see an effect in your life. You'll see change. 100% you will. But so often we are overcome by fear because of circumstances and everything like that. And then there's, there's life and death that we get to choose. And so often because of fear, we give in to death and the repercussions of that in every single area of our lives. Amen? 
You see, we, we cannot conform to the world's pattern and think that we can have kingdom fruit. Colossians 2 verse 6, quickly going to read it to you guys. Colossians 2 verse 6. It says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith. Walk in Him. First Peter 1 First Peter chapter 1 Where is it second Peter let me just make sure Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, Supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there, there, there's kingdom fruit that is manifested in our lives when we are anchored in the reality of who Christ is and not succumbing to our circumstances in life. And that is, that is part of the renewed mind. We need to understand there's, there's two seeds. It's, it's the life seed. Are we going to give heed to the life seed in our lives or the death seed? And we get to choose. Every single moment of our lives, we get to choose with finances, with everything. Is it God... Am I going to trust you or am I going to give in to doubt? Am I going to give in to fear or am I going to trust God's promises? And whatever seed we give our agreement to, that's going to flourish and manifest in our lives. It's only when we live in His kingdom reality that we can become life-giving spirits. Because we know that we've been resurrected with Christ. We're seated where He's seated. We live in a new kingdom reality so now we are meant to be called salt and light okay going out into the marketplace going out into our profession whatever it is that you're doing and reveal Christ's nature through your life it's in that place that we get to be life-giving spirits because everywhere that Jesus walked what followed him life followed him and if we are as he is in this world that means that everywhere we're supposed to go, that life needs to follow us. That's how we become life-giving spirits. That is, that is the hundredfold church. You know this 30, 60, 100? From a hundredfold perspective, you're a life-giving spirit. From a 60-fold, it's like it's there, but not yet. Yes, we're striving to that. We're obtaining, we're obtaining towards that. But from a hundredfold perspective, we are seated in Christ. We are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now we get to walk in the newness of life 
the new creation reality. We are life-giving spirits wherever we go. So what does that mean? In your workplace, you might see somebody that's going through a difficult time, but you're from a different reality, a kingdom reality. You know what the cause is that our king embodies, not what the world says. So now all of a sudden, you can walk and give life to wherever you need it. That is part of our mandate, people. Amen? Is we are called to be life-giving spirits. Wherever we go, life and the fruit of the kingdom need to follow us. And I think what we often do is we, we receive a truth in God's word that comes to renew our mind. And there's a study being, there's a study actually, I think it was Caroline Leaf. You guys know Caroline Leaf. I think there's a study that they, 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 they took two groups of people for, I think, I think it was 21 days. I'm not, don't quote me on social media on this, because it's been a few years since I read the study. But on the one end, they got the one group of people for three weeks to not read the Bible, and the other one, they, they got to read the Bible every single time. And the conclusion of the study, what they found after 21 days, was the, the, the group of people who read God's Word every single day, there was new neuropathways pathways in their brain. And that makes Romans chapter 12, verse 2 so, you know, palatable. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So they found that there's new neuropathways created in your mind. What does that mean? If you're stuck in one way, direction, and walking in life, God's truth comes into your life. Now all of a sudden you're like, oh my word, there's a different pathway. I can walk in this way. So the renewing of the mind will lead to a transformed life. It's proven by science now. Amen? And that is our invitation. Every single time that God speaks to us through His Word, is He's saying, there's a software update. There's a software update. And you can either choose to accept the invitation and apply it to your life, or you can say, maybe later. I've got that thing on my phone um, with social media about, you know, like a, a certain amount of time that I can spend on social media. And every so often it comes up, says, ignore limit for today, remind me, or ignore for 15 minutes. And so often I do the ignore limit for today. And I think we do the same with the Lord. Because He comes and He speaks to us truth that's life transforming. And we're like, nah, not now. Am I the only one doing that? No. Because why? Growth is uncomfortable. And the thing is, when, when, when truth and light hits the dark areas of our lives, it exposes something that's in our hearts. But the Bible says that we need to come before Him and assure our hearts before Him. We are scared for some reason to confront the difficulties in our lives. Because we know that there's transformation that's coming. And I was a young teenage boy at one point. I had growth pains. It was sore going through all of that. But here's the thing, growing in life is never easy. In any area, it doesn't matter what it is. And we so often think that we can, and we, we call it wisdom, or maybe not yet, where the Lord wants to reveal something in our lives, and He wants, He's bringing it up so that He can transform it and change us because He's got something better in store, but we are too afraid to confront that area because it's painful. We have to be honest. We have to humble ourselves. But the beauty of that is, is the Bible promises us that in our frailty, in our weakness, that He is made strong. And I'm sure the, the Lord spoke to me that there's many people in here that you've gone, you guys have gone through a challenging year, both corporately and, and personally. 
And oftentimes you might have felt that, you know, he's negated you. Or he's, he's maybe overlooked or that prophetic word was not, was not true. And I, I feel like the Lord's renewing his promises to you guys this morning. I've just given you guys a fresh reminder, a software update of his faithfulness. Hebrews 10, 23 says that let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering because faithful is he who promised. He is faithful. And we have to anchor and predicate our lives upon his faithfulness and not what our circumstances dictate. Not by our sensations, our feelings. Because it's not a momentary fix. I think so often we come to the Lord in church and we hear a good word and we're like, yes, I'm going to go change the word. The world, I mean. The word. And I'm not, not going to change the word. I'm not going to add to this word. going to go change the world. And we feel so hyped up and on an emotional high because worship was awesome. The message was awesome. You know, the preacher was cool. Hashtag. I'm just, no, I'm joking. Um, but then life hits us or you're back at your desk job on Tuesday or Monday. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my word, God, you're not faithful and all of this stuff. But the thing is, that's where the renewed mind comes into because we live from a reality that is not in this world. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. Our mindset is anchored on the truth of His kingdom and what His cause embodies. And that's what happens in this divine exchange is when we pursue the King, we're going to get the benefits and the fruit of the kingdom. Because as believers and as sons and daughters of God, it is not okay for us to be in culture and not have an effect. And if we truly believe God's word, then we need to see a result. We need to see culture changing. It's not that we're trying to make culture conform to the kingdom, but we're life-giving spirits wherever we go. And it's only then that the prophecy of Habakkuk can come to completion about the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God. Because we see it to some extent, but not to the full extent. It's because we want to trust and believe God for the impossible, but then we doubt Him at the same time. And we cannot live there. And for so long, I'd, I, I lived there. I would hear an awesome testimony, an awesome prophetic word, and my life would be changed and transformed. And then all of a sudden, when the delay comes in, and it feels a bit like it's taking longer, I just started doubting. But it was until I made a conscious decision and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm making a commitment to you that I'm not going to doubt your promises over my life. I'm not going to doubt your word anymore. I'm not going to be on the one side trusting you and the other side not trusting you. I said, God, regardless of what I feel, regardless of what I go through, regardless of what my circumstances are right now, I know and I trust you that your word is true and that it's got the power to transform my life. And it's when I started living in that discipline of mind where I started seeing the fruit all of a sudden manifest in my life. Because why? When you trust, when, when, when we live in trust in God, we're constantly anchored in faith, meaning that we are pleasing to Him. And with that heart, He says, okay, I can work with that. Amen? I'm going to wrap this up because my time is almost done. But I want to give you guys five things for those of you guys who are taking pointers. I don't always preach a point sermon, but I've got some. So number one, so only when we live in His kingdom reality can we become life-giving spirits, okay? Five things to take away from a renewed kingdom perspective and reality. Number one is you have to renew your mind to the truth of His word. 
You cannot read the word, receive the revelation that comes with it, and not leave changed. You cannot. I tell you guys now, the word will haunt you down constantly. But here's the thing we receive the word in seed, so it's implanted in us, in the soil of our hearts. The Bible says, nothing outside of a man can defile him, but it is what comes out of his mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I want to I wanna encourage you guys walking into 2020, what is the condition of your heart? What is the soil of your heart? Are there areas in your heart that you're too afraid to confront, too afraid to expose, maybe too afraid to be honest with the Lord, to say that, God, that is there in my heart. What is the condition and the soil of your heart? Because if the soil of the heart is good or fertile, when you receive the word of promise in seed form, it can flourish in your life because it's a life seed that gets sown. And every single one of us has received a word of promise, whether it was through a prophet or a pastor or maybe your own personal time with the Lord. But ask yourself the question, or maybe start a dialogue with the Lord. God, what is my, what is my heart's will like? Because the seed is still there in the soil. But it's only when the condition of the soil changes, that's when it's going to flourish and take fruit. Amen? So renew your mind to the truth of His Word. Number two, understand the mandate of presence. We have, we have a mandate of presence. Amen? Because... We are called to be like Christ, a worship lifestyle. That means that if we live in a kingdom reality, that if Jesus embodies his cause of kingdom and we live in that, we're partakers of that, we're life-giving spirits, meaning that everywhere we go, we should carry the presence of the king with, with us. I've been in places, especially in the modeling industry the last few months since I've been back, that I did the Colombo Fashion Week in August um, and it was eye-opening for me in a lot of ways because I realized, well, I took a break from modeling for five years. So I haven't been back in the industry in five years, but then the Lord gave me an opportunity and I went back in this year in Sri Lanka of all places. Um, but during the Colombo Fashion Week, there, I was the only believer outside of one other girl, you know, part, you know a part of the, the Fashion Week. And behind the scenes, there's so much so much hurt that I, that I saw. Like young guys, before they go out on the modeling ramp, they've got bottles of booze in boxes. And before they go out, they just, you know, drink because that's their confidence. That's, that's how they walk out. And it broke my heart. But what, what, I, what I noticed is that every single moment that I sat somewhere, somebody came and sat next to me. And they just started talking to me. You know, sometimes for an hour, maybe two hours. And they would tell me this. They would tell me that, I don't know why, but I just like being around you. You know, or some people said, I like, I like your, your vibe that you have, you know, or the, the aura that you have around you. Like, I like your frequency, you know, because there was a lot of new age people. But what they do not know at the moment is that they're attracted because to Christ that's on the inside of me, the presence that I carry. Because I live anchored in the reality of understanding, I am in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm anchored in His reality. And because I live with that awareness, I can manifest that unto other people. And because of that, people 
identify with that because they're like, I don't know what that is, but that's missing, but I know I'm made for that. You see, far or long before, we know, how many of you guys know about the doctrine of original sin? Yes, some. But we were made in original glory because Genesis 1.26 says, for God created man in his image and likeness. That was before the fall, we were created in original glory. So that's why when we're people of presence, wherever we go to, people identify with what we carry because they know that there's a longing in their heart. There's a missing piece of the puzzle in their heart that they're like identifying with and saying, I don't know what that is, but I need that in my life. Amen. Number three is his testimony. What I shared about communion. That is the greatest prophecy that we can give ourselves on a daily basis is recalling the table of the Lord. And if you, for some reason, think that you cannot partake of communion on a daily basis, I'm going to give you guys as a pastor permission now. I'm accountable before the Lord that you can 100% take communion every single day. If that offends you, I'm not going to apologize because it's in His Word. Because the Bible says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. I take communion sometimes three times a day. And it's some of the most powerful and life-changing results that I've seen in my life when I started meditating on His testimony of what He did on a daily basis. Amen? Number four. Eradicate fear. Fear warps the reality of God's promises in our lives. Fear is going to lie at you. Fear is going to hold you back. Fear is going to make you feel lesser than. Fear is going to make you doubt God's promises when you don't see it unfold in your life. The good thing is we have an antidote to fear because the word says that we have not been given a spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a what? A sound mind. Now what is a self, sound mind? It is self-control. It is the ability to control our thoughts. Because more often than not, or sometimes that I would want to agree upon, my biggest challenge in life is my mind. And I think that's why the promise was given power, love, and a sound mind, self-control. You actually get the ability to control your thoughts, thoughts anchored to the reality that's in His Word. Amen. See, fear rides on hopelessness. And the only way that we can combat hopelessness is when we walk in our identity in Him. Knowing that we are secured in Him. We walk in new creation life. Amen. And how do we eradicate fear? Is through faith and hope. Faith and hope. Because when we walk in faith and hope, we create something in the spirit realm that's yet to be manifested in the natural. But it's through faith and hope, anchored in who He is and the truth of His Word. Amen? And then finally, I'm going to end off with 1 John chapter 4. And this is my fifth point. 1 John 4. Verse 17, I believe. It says, By this love is perfected with us, 
so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world there's no fear in love but perfect love casts out all fear number five we're life-giving spirits because as he is so are we in the world and if life followed Jesus everywhere we he went if we are like him if we're seated with him in heavenly places if we walk in newness of life in new creation reality if we have his DNA embedded within us that means that we have to be life-giving spirits everywhere we go that is how you start seeing revival everywhere you go I know we cry out for revival a lot but it's it's with this mindset knowing that I'm a life-giving spirit I bring life because of him who resides on the inside of me wherever I go. Amen. Now, I felt like the Lord wanted to minister. And this last night I was, I had this um, picture uh, of this room. And I felt like there was somebody specifically in this area that you need, you need the Lord to show up with healing in your body. If that's you, I want to ask you to be brave enough to just take a stand. Because I believe that the Lord wants to move today. He wants to minister healing. If there's anybody in this section of here that you need, you need to turn around in circumstances with healing, I just want you to stand up if you, if you can. I'm not here to embarrass you at all. Can those of you guys that surround her just stand up and lay your hands on her? Yeah. Father God, in Jesus' name, we just release life into her body right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are moving bringing everything that is out of alignment back into alignment with the fullness of what Jesus paid for on the cross. That life is manifested right now. That as your word says, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to quicken our mortal bodies. We just stand in agreement with that word now. We just thank you for life to manifest. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you that this will be a testimony of your faithfulness that will prophesy to the multitudes of how good you are. So whatever it is, Lord, we thank you for your healing and your life to manifest right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And then I had a, I had a word for the church. It wasn't very long, but I just heard the Lord say that you guys need to prepare yourself for exponential growth in 2020. Yeah. And I kind of feel like what I saw is like you guys have been riding like the tip of the wave, like kind of like before it breaks and it's going to break and there's going to be momentum. And I feel like a word for you guys in this church is for 2020 is that there is power in purpose. It's going to be a year of purpose, but because of purpose, there's going to be power backing it up. There's power in your purpose, whatever that is. If it's your involvement in the church, if it's in the marketplace, whatever it is, there is power in your purpose. Amen. And then I work with the angelic. I've seen quite a few angels. <laughs> if that's maybe a bit mind-bending to you, um, I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> because I do, I do see a lot of 
spiritual things and I do have a lot of spiritual experiences. Um, I've had too many to doubt it, to say that it's all made up. Um, actually, is there anybody sitting? Can, has anybody seen gold dust in your, on your hands? I knew it, yeah. The Lord told me in worship, He said that there's going to be gold dust showing up on people's hands. So if you guys haven't seen it, get up and go to the people who's got gold dust and you'll see it. That's just a sign that the angelic's been moving. And I feel like he's been mending hearts today. And just breathing new life and encouragement. Updating our software. Amen. But I know, I know one of the angels that the Lord's assigned to me is in the area of finances. And I've seen this many times before. Um, I know, Patrick, you guys are still trusting the Lord for a word that I gave last year. Uh, he's not done with it in the right timing. You know, I'm just reminded of Genesis, you know, the promised child that was released over Abraham and Sarah. When the promised child came at the end of it, it said that at the appointed time of the Lord, the promised child came. And there is an appointed time, even though in the midst of the doubting and all of that, he's renewing his promise to you guys. Again, I'm just reminding you guys, he's faithful. It's not your ability, but just look at the condition of your heart. What is this will of your heart? Because he's going to do it. Amen. We are in agreement with that. And then I feel like that there's people, you have caught yourself in a lot of debt. Um, and I believe that the Lord is assigning angels to you for to pay off debts. Is there anybody in there? Okay. A few people. Yeah. I've seen the craziest things happen. Just a quick, quick, quick testimony. I recently, when I was in Sri Lanka about two months ago, <clears throat> I had a dream and in my dream there was a there was a lady who came out to me and she gave me a certain amount of rupees and I woke up out of this dream and the Lord spoke to me clearly he said I want you to tithe on the money you received in your dream and I was like talking about a software update right I was like tithe on the money I received in my dream I'm like I'm like that doesn't even make sense I'm like one at the moment I didn't have money to tithe on any money but I was like, it does not make sense. So I probably wrestled with the Lord probably a week with that word. And then I was like, you know what, Lord? I'm going to do it. And the moment I decided I'm going to do it, he spoke to me. He said, why do you think that because you received money in a dream that it is not in your possession? And he started challenging my thought pattern that I had about, like, about finances. Because we know the word says that everything comes from him meaning that finances comes from him but just because it's in an, a dream world does not mean that I don't have it in my possession because he's the source and author of everything that we have so he spoke to me and he said that I want you to tithe as if you had the physical money in your hands so I was like okay Lord I'm gonna do this I'm not gonna tell anybody that I'm doing it because I'm like I'm gonna sound crazy I mean like just your reaction said everything just now when I said it but but I tithe on the money that he that, that I received in my dream. And it was a very specific amount. I went to Uganda a couple of weeks later with Johnny Inlow um, to the National Prayer Breakfast. And when I came back from Uganda, Johnny had given me 100 US dollars to spend on the airport just for food and, and whatever. But I, I, came back from, I came back from Uganda and I took the, I think I had 80 US dollars left and I exchanged it into rupees. And during that week, week and a half, I spent it on food and everything like that. So I knew I had no more rupees, you know. And I opened my travel wallet the one day. 
because I've got a big travel wallet with my passport and everything. And inside my travel wallet, there was 15,000 rupees, brand new notes that just showed up. So 15,000 rupees, that's about, I'm trying to, it's 80 something US dollars, okay? But brand new notes that, that manifested and I tried to convince myself, maybe I just forgot about the money, but I was like, I did not forget about the money because there were three brand new notes, three 5,000 rupee notes in my travel wallet. And immediately when I saw that, the, the Lord reminded me of my dream that I had and what I tithed on. And I was like, okay, okay, there's something to this. Because probably two months prior to that, I've been praying to the Lord, asking Him, God, I want, I want a financial solution, but a blueprint from heaven that people do not know. And then this happened. The dream happened and then the money. So I didn't say anything. So I was like, okay, I'm like, I knew I had the sign. When, when I saw that, it's kind of like the story of Isaiah. When, when he prayed for rain and he saw the cloud the size of a man's fist, he said, there it is. And when I saw that small thing, I was like, I know it's there. Like, I know it, I've got it. So probably about three weeks ago, um, go further. And we're on a, as a church, we went on a fast. And two of my, my roommates, they went out of, out of town, out of Colombo to minister at different churches. I was home alone. And the one day I'm sitting with the Lord and I open my travel wallet and in my travel wallet, I've got a little card that I got in 2017 when I preached in Korea from a lady who gave me 200 US dollars in the note to pray for her kids. Now I've got the 200 US dollars. I never spend it because every so often I go back to that to just pray for her kids. And that's particular day I'm sitting with my travel wallet. I'm unpacking it. I'm taking the note out of my compartment and I open the note and there's 400 US dollars in the note and not 200 US dollars 400 and immediately the Lord reminded me again about the dream that I had so the testimony is unfolding why am I sharing it with you guys because I feel like there's there's a reality that God wants us to be anchored into that is not in this world but just because we don't tangibly see it does not mean that it's not truth because he's the source of everything it's just being connected to the source and I've been seeing this unfold so it's financial money I heard years and years and years of stories of financial money showing up. Never once did it happen to me until this dream. And I thought, I was like, okay, God, there's something to this. So I'm releasing it because it's a testimony of what He can do. And I'm expecting that greater things are going to happen in your life as a result of it. Because it's not mine to keep. I think so often what people do when they preach is like, my revelation, like, it's mine. It's not, I'm not going to share. Because uh, we toil so hard to get our revelation. Amen so hard so it's a free gift that one was a freebie okay I'm not gonna charge for it yeah and then okay that was a cool story and I'm gonna finish off with this I feel like the Lord specifically gave me a word for a group of people and it's maybe you're a bit more well seasoned in life and you feel like you might be too old for God to do the miraculous through you or to use you as somebody that gets to play a part in his massive story of redemption unfolding in the earth and if that is you and you maybe have disqualified yourself from being able to get used you might be young as well um sitting here but i, I specifically felt it was a it was a word for that group of people um if you want to be so brave to stand up and there's, there's nothing really that happens when you stand up and you respond to a word outside of the fact that something on the external agrees with something that's happening internally and it just solidifies it in your life. So if, if that is you, you feel like 
you're too old to be used by God and there might still be promises in your life and you have not seen it uh, come to fruition but you feel eager and you feel stirred up and you feel young at heart that you're like God use me again make my name great so that I can be a blessing unto other people help me to change culture and society I want to invite you guys to stand up if that's any one of you and I want to pray with you guys because I feel like the Lord is renewing promises today Amen. New life. The life seed. I'm just going to give a few more seconds if there's anybody else. The kingdom is amazing. It truly is. And he loves every single one of you guys so much. His love is not predicated upon the difficulties that you have endured in life. It doesn't diminish His love for you. And I want to assure your hearts today that, that God has amazing plans for every single one of you guys in here. It might not look the same as mine or Stoffel or Linda or Patrick or anybody of the leadership team or your friends. But we know the word says that godliness with contentment is of great gain. So I want to encourage you, whatever your gifting is, whatever your talent is, steward your talents. Find the power in your purpose. Stay your course. Do not compare yourself. Comparison kills creativity. We become copycats. God has not called us to be copycats. The only person that we are supposed to be copying is Jesus Christ. That is our only comparison. That is how I compare my life in any area of my life where I fall short in comparison to Jesus. I'm like, Lord, I know that you can get me there. Please work in my heart. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that was released today. We thank you for your promises. And those who were standing, who responded to the word that I felt you gave me today. Father, I just thank you that in seed form the word's been implanted but i thank you with the right heart it's going to flourish and carry fruit and jesus i thank you that you are breathing new hope new life new purpose new ambitions wherever they've disqualified themselves from thinking that they're too old or too well seasoned in life or what's the use in trusting you whatever disappointment is crypt in holy spirit i just thank you that you are moving in the hearts today and you're reaffirming your word, your promises, your mandate, your purpose. May this be a year for every single one of us in here that we find power in our purpose. That we get to be effective. That we get to stand upon your word and the truth in it. And that we get to see the fruit of the kingdom in our lives. For other people to see. So that they can know that they have an invitation to respond to your faithfulness and who you are. We thank you that we're people of presence, God, and I just thank you for reassuring hearts, every single one of them standing. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.